you join me in prayer this morning? Father, we thank you that you are the only source of true peace. Help us to seek that peace by surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. I came across an individual by the name of Dominic Sarabia of Downing, California. He has a hobby. His hobby is he writes high-profile people and asks them for an answer to his question. His question is, would they give a prescription for peace? So here's some of the answers he got back. Mother Teresa wrote him back and said, if we love each other as God loves each one of us, there will be peace. To be able to love us as he loves, we need a clean heart, a heart free from all that is not love. Some of the other responses weren't so positive. Charles Madsen, he's a cult leader, was a murderer, uh, spent his life in prison. He says this, relax, be now. You are the world as each is the world. Peace is within you. Come to one world for peace and life. The lines have been drawn in the universal mind. And then underneath this, he drew a bunch of swastikas. So didn't make a lot of sense. But then his life didn't either. Gordon Liddy, he was the mastermind of the Watergate burglary back in the Nixon eras. He says this, if you want peace, prepare for war. This is Stephen King. He writes stories, primarily scary stories. My prescription for peace is die. There's nothing to be had on this earth. Maybe that sounds grim. I don't mean it that way. There's a lot of sweetness in the world, but some guy is always going to want to punch you in the nose, or maybe you'll want to punch his. So. so that explains his books. Then we have Fred Rogers, or most of you know as Mr. Rogers, a pastor, had the TV program. I think that peace begins with a sense of inner peace. And I firmly believe that it comes from knowing that we are loved by the people who mean the most to us. Ulysses Grant, of course, was a general during the Civil War. And in 1863, he won the first most important battle for the Union, where the tide was finally turning in the Union favor. And he received a nickname of unconditional surrender grant. So I brought my white flag of unconditional surrender. Because when the Fort Donaldson, that he had his troops surrounded, realized they had no hope, they sent him a note asking what the terms of peace would be. He responded, total unconditional surrender. That are the terms of peace. And that may seem rather harsh. But really, that's what Jesus is asking of us. Because the pathway to peace is total, unconditional surrender to Christ. We can do many things different ways. In fact, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, famous poet, lived from 1807 to 1882. And since he lived during the Civil War, that might explain this poem. Because in the Civil War, some scholars say 618,000 men died. Some raised the estimate as high as 750,000. Anyway, a lot of people died in that war. This is what he wrote. And in despair, I bowed my head. 
There's no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. But what does Jesus say to that? Other than calling for our total unconditional surrender to him, he says this. This is John 16, 33. I have told you these things that, that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Troubles in the world, right? Well, we have the war in the Middle East. According to the Hamas run Gaza Health Ministry, as of December 1st of this year, 15,000 Palestinians, including 6,000, more than 6,000 children, had died. Of course, that whole war started as a response to the October 7th incident, where 1,400 Israelis were murdered by terrorists, and over 250 were taken hostage. And then, of course, in Ukraine, that was last year, December, not December, February of 2022, Russia invaded Ukraine. And the UN says over 70,000 have been killed so far in that war, including at least 10,000 civilians. So it seems kind of grim. So how do we maintain that peace in a world that's filled with chaos and crisis? Going back to October 16th of 2021, there were missionaries serving in Haiti. Now, Haiti is one of the most impoverished countries in the world, and it's not that far from the United States. In fact, Nathan Abrana went there as a mission trip many, many years ago. Unfortunately, the situation has gotten worse. They had an earthquake in July of 2021 that killed over 2,200 people. And they've had political unrest for years, but the things have gotten really worse with the assassination of their president in July of 2021. So gang violence has just increased and skyrocketed, and the country is basically at the mercy of all these different gangs that have developed. Well, one of these gangs kidnapped 17 missionaries who had just made a delivery of supplies to an orphanage in Haiti. They were all American except for one Canadian. There were 12 adults and five children. And then they demanded millions of dollars in ransom or the missionaries are going to be killed is what the criminal gang had put out to the world. Five of them ended up getting released through some type of negotiation, although their missions agency would never answer the question whether they paid some ransom. So that left 12 in custody. And their situation was being moved from place to place. They were never physically hurt or abused, though they were threatened on many occasions. They were mal didn't have a lot of food that was offered to them. The children got more food than the adults. So the, I guess that's worth something. They had to drink contaminated water, sweltering heat, terrible mosquitoes, and of course, the threat of just not knowing what's going to be going on next. Well, these 12 missionaries managed to escape. On December 21st of 2021, they used the, scars, the stars to navigate back into the civilized area after traveling through the dense bush. And with them was a 10-month-old infant, a 3-year-old child, a 14-year-old girl, and a 15-year-old boy. 
Fortunately, they all made it to safety. And how did they maintain their peace in that type of a situation? Some of the missionaries later in their interview said they sang praises to God at least three times a day. They also verbally rebuked Satan frequently for the thoughts that he would plant in their head about there's no hope. And they continued to share the gospel with their captors whenever they had opportunity. But most of all, they simply trusted God for their deliverance and for their peace. It's part of that unconditional surrender to Christ that's demanded of all of us. Because we don't know what our circumstances are going to be. Robert Strand, who's a pastor, wrote this devotional about the fruit of the Spirit, and he puts it this way. Before peace can come, there must be a complete change of character through the process that Jesus called a new birth. No one can serve two masters. A fountain cannot give out both bitter and sweet water. A tree cannot produce good and bad fruit. Light and darkness are incompatible. There is no fellowship between righteousness and unrighteousness. So Christ starts at the point of need, cleans out the past, and builds a new future with proper attitudes in place of those which lend in place which then lend itself to new peaceful future. This peace that Christ gives is not only in good circumstances, but is deep and abiding in all kinds of life circumstances. It's a peace that transcends troubles and turmoils. Along the same lines, S.D. Gordon, who was an author and evangelist who lived, <clears throat> well, he died in 1936. He writes this, when the heart is wrong, there cannot be peace. Selfishness is a gangrene, eating away at the very vitals. Sin is a cancer, poisoning the blood. Peace is the rhythm of our wills with Jesus' love will. Disobedience breaks the music, fails to keep in touch, makes discord. The notes jar and grate. We have broken off. The peace can't get in. Jesus made peace by his blood. We can get it only by keeping in full touch with him. So again, Jesus told us, going back to John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives to let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now it's interesting to note that those words were spoken to his disciples shortly before his crucifixion. And so he's telling this group of people that have followed him around for approximately three years. And their world soon is going to be turned totally upside down. We talked about that a little bit in Sunday school this morning when we were talking about Peter and his denials. The peace that they had depended on their vision of what Christ was going to do. But with his resurrection came the resurrection of their peace. Colossians 3.15 tells us this, that the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And Robert Strand goes on to point out that the word rule means to preside, or liberty to arbitrate. The origin of the word is from a Greek word taken from what an umpire would do during contests. It's calling the shots in our vernacular. We make the choices about peace of God as applied to specific situations. 
Other translations read, let peace of God rule in your hearts, or let the peace which Christ gives settle all questionings. So one of the paths to peace is to know God's word. He sets out the basic principles for peace in our heart. Love your neighbor as yourself, Matthew 19, 19. Take no thought about tomorrow, Matthew 6, 34. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free, John 8, 32. And of course, John 14, 6, who is truth? Jesus. Jesus said, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Great peace have the people who trust in God, Isaiah 26, 3. The New International puts it this way, you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. So peace, real peace, requires that ultimate surrender. I was looking at, in my devotions, the book of Daniel. And in chapter 10, Daniel talks about a very interesting situation he's in. He has this vision, and this vision has this angel and this person speaking to him, and he is so terrified, he describes it this way, starting in verse 16 of Daniel 10. I'm in anguish. I'm very weak. How can I talk to you? My strength is gone. I can barely breathe. Have you ever been in that situation, that type of chaos, that type of crisis, where you can't even think, you can't talk, you can't breathe? But the response doesn't depend on us. Verse 19, the angel says, don't be afraid, for you are very precious to God. Peace, be encouraged, be strong. We may not be able to move or say a word, but through Christ, that strength can come to us just like it came to Daniel. That surrender, that unconditional surrender to the Holy Spirit enables that peace of Christ to strengthen us regardless of our situation. On January 8th of 1956, Jim Elliott and some other missionaries were speared to death by the Akua tribe in Ecuador. The amazing thing about that, though, is that his wife, Elizabeth Elliott, and Rachel Saint, whose brother was also killed, went and lived among the Akua tribe and brought them the gospel of Jesus Christ by living amongst them. And that members of the Akua tribe that were responsible for the deaths of their loved ones came to Christ through these ladies' ministry. How could they do that? Not on their own strength only by surrendering the Holy Spirit. James reminds us this in chapter 4, because we all have this self-centered, selfish nature that is constantly fighting our peace. Verses 1 and 2 of James chapter 4, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. And then going down, or I guess going back, actually, in chapter 3 of 1 John, 12 through 13, he says this, talking about Cain. And Cain murdered his brother. And why? Because his actions were evil, and his brothers were righteous. So don't be surprised if the world hates you when you carry on in peace. Peace. So how can you maintain that peace and that crisis, that chaos? a crisis of your suffering, maybe a physical illness. 
Or maybe it's a relationship conflict. Maybe your dreams have been crushed. Or maybe those wounds of the past that you thought you had taken care of had those scabs ripped off them again by some situation. And you're just trying to struggle to get by. How do we have peace? Again, Robert Strand puts it this way. Peace can come into our heart only by letting it rule in our mind and our actions. It was this peace of mind and heart and character which Jesus always exhibited in his life on earth. He is our pattern. And he tells us in Matthew 16, 24, to deny ourselves, to take up our cross. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, reminds us to do that daily. What is our cross? Is it the suffering? I think it's really referring to our self-centered nature, that we constantly have to crucify that so we can have peace, so that we're not tossed and torn by the evil desires that we all have. So do we seek peace? Do you seek your peace by surrendering to the Holy Spirit, to relying on the strength of Christ? Mother Teresa, actually it's Mother Frances Donna who said this, not Mother Teresa, until we dwell in Christ and allow Christ to dwell in us, we shall be strangers to peace. So by surrendering, unconditionally surrendering to Christ, that will enable you to be an instrument of peace. As Francis of Assisi wrote in his famous prayer, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me so love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console. To be understood as to understand. To be loved as to love. For it is giving that we receive. And it is in pardoning that we are pardoned. It is in dying that we are born to eternal life. But Francis, what about my rights? What about my needs? What about my desires? Well, as Rick Warren put it so succinctly in his book, Purpose Driven Life, guess what? Life is not about you. It's about Christ and bringing him glory. And when we unconditionally surrender to Christ, we bring him glory because that enables us to become an instrument of peace. So that's the challenge. It's a choice. You can seek peace or you can seek your desires. One gives you a peace that lasts eternally. The other one leads to destruction and despair. But it's your choice. Let's pray that we can seek peace. If you join me in prayer. Father, we thank you. And it's only through your strength that we can unconditionally surrender to you. And that's the only way we can pursue the path of peace. Empower us through Jesus and your Holy Spirit to do that. As you've promised us, in Christ we can do all things. In Jesus' name, amen.
we're going to sing a song to reflect on everything we just heard. This is a time if you want prayer, Robert and Paul will be in the back. You can get prayer. If you want to stand, if you want to just listen. Um, it's funny how God works because I didn't coordinate with my dad at all, but this song is from Mr. Longfellow. This is his poem that was written to music prior. So two years before he wrote this poem, his wife died from a fire. He was taking a nap in their house. Her dress caught on fire. We don't really know how. He threw his body on top of her to try to stop the fire. She died. He had severe burns. He couldn't go to her funeral because of his own burns. And then the Civil War is going on. He's home alone, eating dinner. He gets a telegram that his son's been shot in the face. His son was actually shot in the, sh the sh shoulder, but um, there was a miscommunication. So he thought his son was dead. He had lost his wife. He was a widow father of six children, the oldest which had been nearly paralyzed as his country fought a war against itself. And that's when he wrote this song. So that's just a new thought and process to think about while we sing this, is this is really coming out of sorrow. In following Christ, there is sorrow, but there is still hope and there is still peace. Today, a voice, a chime of 
you would pray with me for some of the other stuff in your bulletin, we'll also be taking up two offerings this morning when Angie comes up to do the hymn. Uh, the first offering goes to the church. The second one goes to Nathan and Brianna. So these two, Nathan is playing the piano and Brianna has been playing the cello this morning. I think what a wonderful song that is. Just be able to sing that, that. Yeah, yeah, what a great song for this morning. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we do just want to ask that you would just continue to pour out your love on us, that we might just become more and more aware of your work in us. Lord, we want to just ask that you would just continue to just grow your kingdom, just grow your kingdom, your church in this world, in this nation, in this community, and just that people would just be drawn closer and closer to you day by day. And we have these ministries that we want to pray for that we're involved with, whether it's Kids Club or with our recovery ministry, whether it's Todd's Place or with Angel Tree. Lord, would you just continue to just bring people to yourself through these? We, these are here for you, just that your world would be blessed and that people would come to know you. Lord, we know there's a number of, of health concerns around. We know like Whitney's son, Oz, has that stage four cancer. And we want, just want to pray for him. We want to pray for little Oz and ask that you just heal him from the inside out, from his liver as long as him. We just want to pray that his chemo, his chemo treatments would go well. Lord, we know that there's been a number of surgeries, whether it's Becky or Kevin or others. We ask that, hey, they would just continue to heal well. Um, and Lord, we want to pray for Christine, who's got some like health issues going on, and she asked specifically for us to pray for her. So Lord, we just want to lift her up to you um, and ask that in her upcoming doctor's appointments, those would go well. And Lord, we want to pray for Nathan and Brianna and ask for their just continued work with OMF, that you would be blessed and your kingdom would grow like all around the world. And we just want to pray for them. And we just do this in your name. Amen. I think Angie and Sarah have the hymn. We're going to take up the first offering, which goes to the church, and then we'll take up the second offering that goes to Nathan and Brianna. All right. The first Noel.
if you drew a name this morning and you don't know what to do for the person you drew, I do have cards that are blank that you could do a verse. It'd be like, hey, this verse really means a lot to me. And you can give it to that person next week. Or just let them know you have their name and see if they want to go out to eat or something.